The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. There are two sides to the broadcast industry, content creators and money makers. This podcast is for that second group, sellers, buyers, managers, anyone with an interest in business. You're all welcome here. This is Seller to Seller. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cabes. The podcast movement has came and went, but there's been a lot of information about podcasting. Of course, anybody that's in sales has been asked to sell a podcast or two with your spot schedules or whatever other digital packages that you've been handed off. Let's get more in-depth with it with Seth Ressler, my guest. He's a digital strategist. You've probably read some of Seth's stuff, as I do, at Jacobs Media. He works with radio stations, designing, implementing websites and social media and email marketing, SEO, content marketing, which I've talked to him about, lead generation, which I've written about with Seth and other online things. He's also the founder of Community Marketing Revolution, producing branded podcasts and virtual events for organizations. I'm sure we'll touch on that because I think that's very interesting. Seth, you were here in Dallas for the podcast movement and Not everybody may understand exactly what that is. So talk to us about that. And I imagine it's got everybody that's anybody in that industry, including you that were there. Um, Just a fantastic conference that has really grown quite a bit over the years uh, and brings together everybody who's in the space. When I first started going, I think that that second year that they had it, there were five radio guys maybe at the conference and four of them were unemployed uh you know and <laughs> and now you know you you see a lot of the big broadcasters and more and more people in suits and ties moving into the space right uh, the space has really matured in, in quite a bit you bathe in it you work in it what percentage of the podcasters would you say are doing it for fun and how much are the suits behind now terms of what you can tell because there are thousands of podcasts there are millions if you look at spotify saying that they've got millions of podcasts now on the site um but if you start looking at how many of them are actually active steve goldstein of amplify media had a good analysis of this that he did with uh with james cridlin of pod news looking at it was about two hundred and fifty thousand, i believe that are actually active mm-hmm. there's a lot of what you call pod fate which is people that you know they come in they do a couple of episodes they figure out that podcasting is harder than they thought it was going to be um i would say the vast majority of people are you know doing it for fun or you know while they may hope to turn it into a business have not necessarily figured out exactly how to do it yet i mean i i still think it's the uh the minority at the top that are making real money doing this but i think the secret for a lot of the people that i know who have been successful has been diversifying the revenue stream not just counting on podcast ads and they are also signing book deals or you know speaking or they're getting hired as consultants or they're doing some other thing that also generates revenue for them yeah you would say then that on some level and you're counseling a lot of these people uh, with branded podcasts this is another marketing tool in their chest right uh yeah I, you know and i think the revenue models are still emerging i don't think that there is you know, uh, the way we have in radio, there's one path of, okay, this is how we do it. And this is how it works. And this is the the path that we can all follow to, to make revenue. I think it's, everybody's journey is a little bit different. And I don't think everybody can make that Joe Rogan journey uh, and do the same thing. All right. Help, help us out here. We read a lot about programmatic advertising. 
Uh, a lot of us sell advertising day to day. Um, and we understand, oh, there's just people that are automated and they're just sending an insertion order and it's getting spread across any digital audio medium they can find. So this is all the rage and, and it was discussed quite a bit at the, the movement. So explain it and talk to me about how it will be something that will help a lot of podcasters. Yeah, programmatic ads have been held up for a long time uh, as a big hope in the podcasting industry as a way that we're finally going to be able to, to monetize. Um, in the beginning, when you created the audio for the episode, you mm -hmm. also recorded the audio for the ad and you uploaded it all as one file. No matter where you were downloading that episode, you heard the same ad. No matter what time, whether it was now or five years from now, you were hearing the same ad. That's a baked in ad. And then we got to the point where we could do dynamically inserted ads, which meant that the ads were inserted not at the time that the audio file is uploaded, but at the time that the audio file is downloaded by the listener to their device. Now that we've got dynamically inserted ads, the question is, can we sell them programmatically? And, and the answer is yes. The technology is getting better and better and allowing us to then go in and target certain demographics, certain areas. Really this year, I think the conversation turned to you know, not when we could we could do this, but how can we do this effectively now? And that's what a lot of the conversation uh, was about. I'm less excited than other people um, because I'm less excited about ads than right. other people. Uh, you know, look, my background is in commercial radio. You know what people like least about commercial radio? I'll give you a hint. It's in the name. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, That's right. you know, people, right. people don't like ads and, right. and I, I'm concerned that we're rushing to place ads in this new media when we know that it's largely the thing that people don't like in old media. But there is research out there that says, look, people understand that if they're going to get this media for free, it's got to get paid for somehow. And the ad is the price that they're willing to pay. So, so how is, uh, how is the programmatic handled? In other words, Who's the clearinghouses? Are the Spotify's and the iHearts? They have the software that dynamically inserts things. So you you go through them. I imagine they're going to take a cut. I mean, that's we're starting to to to, to get this thing organized. In in what way? Yeah, you're starting to see those companies making a lot of acquisitions um, and other companies, you know, Libsyn acquiring AdvertiseCast and and things like that. So yeah, they're they're all trying to put that technology in there. All right. So you you mentioned about advertising being an objection and the number of ads is always something that I'm sure salesmen would like to see go up. I think you and I are on the same page. I think listeners, one is too many. I mean, <laughs> I, what does the research say about the opportunity to just zip on your phone when you're listening to a podcast right past commercials? As you know, you know, I've worked in six or seven radio stations and in every radio station, the relationship between the sales department and the program department is somewhere between frosty and all out warfare. <laughs> uh, and it's because exactly what you say, you know, the sales department would love to run 60 ads an hour and the programming department would run, like to run zero. I think you're going to start seeing that tension creep into podcasts and already you know, we were seeing some signs at podcast movement of research that said uh, people are starting to worry about uh, the amount of ads in their favorite podcasts. So, look, I, I think it is something to be concerned about uh, and to pay attention to. And, you know, I, I am a little concerned that podcasts may repeat some of the mistakes that radio has made uh, when it comes to 
commercial loads. Yeah. And I, I just wonder how much of revenue we're really talking about. Somebody say, I have an industry pod right here, seller to seller through Barrett Sports Media. And no matter, you know, we get X amount of downloads and an advertiser. Well, how much of that money is really going to trickle through to the person doing the podcast or, you know, the, the what they're paying for these, in other words, is really not much. Yeah. You know, I, I think the economic models are still not 100% apparent. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm paying attention to was a fantastic podcast called uh, In the Dark that was put out by Minnesota Public Radio. You know, and this is one of those things where it takes a team of people, you know, a year or more to mm -hmm. go out and do some really hardcore, fantastic reporting. And and it's it's a fantastic podcast. And it gets got lots of downloads and won awards, uh, but they had to discontinue it after two seasons because they couldn't find a sponsor for, for episode three. And, you know, quite frankly, it's easier to just get a couple of comedians in a, in a room and have them just talk for an hour uh, because the overhead is much lower. And, and so I wonder how that's going to shake out over the long term, kind of in the mm -hmm. way that, you know, look, it's, it's easier to make HGTV and, uh, you know, or more cost effective to run game shows than it is to try and make Game of Thrones. And I think, you know, you're always going to have people who want to make that HBO level quality show and really aim for that and, you know, succeed at that and, and perhaps even are able to monetize it. Uh, but there's also money and kind of the cheap, dirty, let's make game shows. <laughs> Yeah, you you touched on this and you wrote about it in your article that you can find at Jacobs Media um, that you've got the big media companies now saying they're willing to produce a podcast if it's got sponsors and the spend is enough. So to yes. explain that to us and how does this work? Yeah, so I have always been bullish on the branded content play in the podcasting space. I actually like it better okay. than the advertising space, which is not to say that there aren't going to be people who make money in both ways. But the idea is if you're a company, what you want to do is create content. I mean, we've seen content marketing for a long time now. It's just the idea that a, a podcast can be part of that you know, uh, content that you're using to market your company. And so you go out and you create uh, a branded podcast, a podcast that, uh, you know, is about your company or promotes your part, your company. And in, in some ways, I think the example that uh, a lot of us have been citing for a long time is the fantastic uh, Inside Trader Joe's podcast that uh, was put together by Dave Beezing, who's a former radio program director. Uh, and, and, you know, he's formed a company called uh, Sounds That Brand. And that's what they do is they produce these branded podcasts. I think that play makes sense. But what's happening is you're getting paid by the marketing department, basically as a line item in their budget. And so it's not dependent to the same extent on, uh, you know, the number of downloads you get and then advertising revenue. This is not the, the model of, hey, we're going to create a podcast from scratch and help hope it gets a million downloads and go try and put stamps.com reads in it. This is a, a marketing play. Of course, even if you make a branded podcast, you still need to get people to listen to it. Sure. Um, and iHeart seems uniquely positioned to be able to do this. This is why I've always liked established media companies um, getting into the branded podcast space, because if you already own a bunch of radio stations or television stations or newspapers, you not only have the tools to make this branded content, but then you have the uh, tools to get that branded content in front of an audience as well. 
you know, Dave Beezing put together a great panel uh, on branded podcasts. And one of the uh, things that that iHeart said in a moment that was more candid than frankly I expected mm-hmm. is they said, look, we put together some really, really great podcasts for some big clients that we charged a lot of money for. And then they didn't want to spend additional money on top of that to market the podcast once it was done. And the result was that we had some podcasts that were really good. They got very, very few downloads. And we figured out really quickly that that was not going to work. And so they changed their model and said, look, if you spend X number of dollars on a media spend, we will then produce the podcast for you at no cost. And that's a brilliant move, I think. Like, I just think I like, I was just like, wow. Uh, let's see how the talent's getting paid. You know how that goes, yeah, right? I mean, Guys I, you on know, salary. Let, and let's assume that, that, you know, the media spend is big enough that it's going to cover all those costs and expenses and that sure. everybody's, you know, is going to get paid. But, um, you know, I thought that that was a good move. And I thought that that posed a real threat to companies that are production houses that don't own a lot of radio stations or television Absolutely. stations or media outlets. Um, you know, that, that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, so in this scenario, you, you've got a company like iHeart who can promote it on their stations and you, you have, let's just say Vans, Vans uh, tennis shoes. They want a, a, a podcast about the lifestyle of the Vans tennis shoe. And that could be a skateboard. It could be surfing on average, Seth, you know, what's the pitch back? We'll do a podcast a week, a podcast a month. We'll do a series of podcasts because I'm sure if they get into the daily podcast business, now you're getting into a, a different scenario altogether. What's the the norm in those branded podcasts? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I if if I understand what you're asking, I mean, maybe the question is, what is the play if you're not iHeart, if you're not the biggest radio company out there. Um, and, and look, I still think you've got to play if you own 17 radio stations in Ohio. I just mm-hmm. don't think you're going after the same customers, you know, but there's going to be uh, small, medium, you know, or regional companies that you could still produce a branded podcast for. I think there's a model there. Frankly, I don't think every branded podcast needs to sound like This American Life. I think there's a lot of companies out there that could go for a lower cost podcast that's, you know, a series of one on one interviews that as long as it really, matches the needs of their clients or their customers can still be very, very effective. One, one a week? I, 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 look, I think for companies, I think you can come out and you can produce uh, in seasons. You know, um, I look, there's going to be times where it makes sense to do it on a regular basis. Um, but I, I think it's also okay to come out with an episode that's six, you know, a season that's six episodes long or eight episodes long or 10 episodes long. And mm-hmm. if the content is evergreen and if it's still relevant three years from now, five years from now, there's still going to be life in it. Let me ask you about one other thing. So much of our attention in the podcasting space is geared at somebody on the move, the drive to work, maybe a workout, some yard work. And none of those things would require that I had a YouTube component to it that I want to watch talking heads uh, rather than listen to it and be on the move. But I know at the podcast movement, you guys covered this and talked about the YouTube piece. And what's your analysis of this, Seth, about how many of us should be putting everything on YouTube versus just putting it out as an audio only pod? 
Yeah, first of all, one of the things that surprised me uh, from the research that I saw at Podcast Movement this year is that the car is not the primary place for podcast listening right now. It's at home. Uh, and I saw this in a couple of research studies um, and that there's still, you know, they argue that there's a lot of room for growth in the car, uh, mm. which is interesting because I've also been speaking at radio conferences, you know, recently where mm. we've been talking about not allowing other people into the car to erode, you know, this place that we hold so dear. Um, YouTube's an interesting question. And I have gotten different answers talking to different people. I mean, if you talk to the researchers, you know, they will talk about how YouTube is is a really big player in the podcast space, arguably bigger than Spotify. Um, if you talk to some of the podcast veterans, you know, they will say that, look, you know, if you go through the top 100, top 200 podcasters and look at their YouTube presence, very few of them have a big a YouTube presence. Somebody like Joe Rogan is is actually the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not clear. Um, potentially one of the places where YouTube could be powerful is that YouTube is a, a really good search engine. And again, it's owned by Google, the biggest search engine. YouTube itself is the second biggest search engine in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and Apple Podcasts, which is the number one place that uh, people find podcasts, uh, is not a good search engine. So perhaps that searchability could, um, you know, bring some discoverability uh, to podcasts. Um, I think the one thing that you are hearing people say is that mm -hmm. one, it's not that hard to throw your podcast up on YouTube. You know, your host may have automatic integration so that with a single click, it just gets pushed out to YouTube with a static image. And if nobody watches it, that's fine. At least it's there. Um, you know, it's not that hard to make an audiogram and something like Headliner, you know, which is just a static image with a sound wave over it. Right. You know, so that if people, you know, do happen to listen to your podcast on YouTube, they can find it. Um, but if you're really going to, succeed uh, in YouTube and that video, um, you actually got to do stage video. It. You got to stage <laughs> you know it. What I mean? You got to do more than talking yeah, heads. You need video yeah, You got to sit there and you got to do the lighting and you got to do the, get, get a real camera and, and put some effort into it. The way we think of media tends to be very siloed. You know, we tend to think about television or radio or movies or, you know, podcasts and, people tend to get hung up on that. You know, one of the things that I'm finding in my own media consumption is that I don't, I don't subscribe to CNN, you know, or cable news uh, mm -hmm. through my cable provider, but I consume a lot of CNN and I do it by calling it up through Alexa. You know, I know my, some of my colleagues uh, call it up on satellite radio. And so I am frequently in a position where I listen to CNN, but do not watch it. Right. And it's interesting because if you watch some of these cable channels, they figure that out and they have adjusted their language slightly. Do you think the and, average podcaster who's, you know, really not making that much radio station guys that have to throw a podcast out there because they're a talk show host or whatever. Do you think that talking head should be thrown up on YouTube or just forget about I it? I don't think it's radically more expensive to do it. You know, I think the tools have come down in price. I think that, you know, I mean, I've been spending most of the pandemic playing with Ecamm Live, which is a, a video uh, streaming software that allows me to make stuff that looks like cable news, you know, or, or as good <laughs> as the local news channel. But I, I think not enough people are talking about, let's make a video and then 
also rip the audio and make it available in a place that, uh, you know, people can consume it either way. And they have right. the choice. Seth, this has been very interesting. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love your stuff. I love reading it, what you feed out on social media and what you're doing with content marketing, and a lot of others. So I really appreciate you joining me. Cool. Well, thank you for having me. This is, this is great. I love talking about this stuff. All right. You can, you can find more about Seth at Jacobs Media. You can rate, review, and pass along this pod. You can write to me, jeffks54 at gmail.com. Give me some topics. Uh, any great conversation like this you'd like to hear, reach out to me if you're near Flower Mound, Dallas, or Texas. Uh, and check out my articles on sports radio sales at barrettsportsmedia.com. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Seller to Seller with Jeff Caves. Each episode is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and most podcasting platforms. To stay in touch with Jeff, follow him on Twitter at Jeff Caves and read his sales columns on barrettsportsmedia.com.